Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast of champions and we are coming to you today after Rangers defeated Celtic by two goals to nil, proving yet again that the sun eventually always shines on the righteous and I cannot think of anyone more righteous than my first guest today, it's Andy McGowan. Hello folks, yes I am indeed pretty righteous and uh, active paraphrase a song that was played in the dressing room, I'm feeling it. Well, uh, a person I'd like to be feeling is none other than Adam Thornton. Oh, hello, what an intro, thank you. Yeah, 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 I, I, I meant in a, a, a cuddly, post-old, firm victory way, although we're getting used to them now. Um, Absolutely, yeah, quite a lot of feeling to go on. Yeah, uh, the, the Rangers played Celtic, usual thing happened, there's your podcast, see you in a week. But uh, no, 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 we will, we will sit and it's always enjoyable to, to analyse it. Can I, right, before we get into it today though lads uh, one word answer please and I'll let you expand on it as, as we go through the show but um, one word answer at any point in the two weeks since the draw did you think we were going to lose Andy no Adam no and that is it in a nutshell uh, exactly the same when the draw came out I was like yes great you know obviously home draw you're always happy with that but I thought great you know, knock them out now, keep the lads focused because obviously having won the league and going into Europe that maybe there's a, a chance of a drop off that will keep the focus going. And I, I honestly didn't come across many Rangers fans who, who didn't share that. And the best thing for me about yesterday was draw comes out, Rangers fans think they're going to win, Celtic fans think they're going to lose. You go through, you know, obviously as you get closer to the game, the nerves kick in and whatnot. But how many old firm games, Andy, did we go through in the last few years where we did the thing of on the Monday when you're far enough away from it, you kind of know what the likely outcome is. 
but you build yourself up and be the, the Saturday or the Sunday, your you know, battle fever, you're ready to go, and then you would go and lose. Um that's one eighty now, that's where they are. That they were talking, you know, bluster, there's no other word for it, you know, just trying to convince themselves that what was gonna happen wasn't gonna happen. And then Rangers just clinically, quietly, I don't think without reaching our best, dispatched them in a very straightforward fashion. We hold the whip hand in these games. Now, next season it could be different because we don't know what Celtic will do, we don't know what our recruitment will be like, but at this moment in time, and in the build-up to this game, we held the whip hand because we've got a wee body of evidence now between the season's all-firm games and even last season for most of the part, where if we turn up and uh, we do what we can do, then we're usually better than them tactically and we're usually better than them quality-wise as well. And I, I thought yesterday that was the case. I thought, I mean, that, that's much vaunted diamond that they thought was now our kryptonite because they'd nearly competed ways in two games with it. Um, I thought the, the, the tactics for Gerard and his team were, were bang on. And the other big part of the game yesterday was that when it counted, we had more quality in them. Uh, and I, I think that's the story of the, of the game, to be honest with you. So... It's like it's like studying for an exam. You, if you study for an exam, you know you're going to pass it if you turn up on the day and you remember what you know. And the only way you can mess it up is, is on your own. I think that's where we were at yesterday. We knew that if we came on, did what we can do, played to 90% of what we can. In fact, I don't even think we were 90% yesterday. I thought we were a bit less than that. Uh, we were going to win it. And I think the, the flip side of that is, is true of Celtic. They didn't they really believe that they could do it? I don't think the fans really in their heart of hearts knew it. It was the last vestiges of a, a, a bad season for them. But I think it's uh, it's it's just so good to feel this way just now about Rangers and to know that they're back in their box. And uh, that this, I'm hoping the mental damage is um, irreparable, long long lasting. Yeah. Um, Adam, you're a tactics guy, so I'll come to you on a point that Andy raised yesterday, which was Rangers, I think, went with the team that, that we, we predicted that they would go with. You know, you can always have debates about a player that, you know, you might think should be in or I might think should be in. But I think when we were saying, what do we think the manager will pick? Um, we all felt Arfield would come into midfield and he will push up. And that's, of course, what he did. Um, Celtic did go with this diamond that Andy has spoken about. Now, you know tactics better than I do, but that's a formation that relies on your fullbacks. You you really need the two very, very talented fullbacks who can motor up and down the pitch and, and dominate the guys who are, are on their side. Um, didn't work out that way. So it certainly didn't. Um, I think over games are, are less about tactics than than the other games. Oh, I think it's very rare that you get an upset in an old firm game and it's because of a, a tactical masterstroke. The only one I can think of in recent years would be the 2-0 at Ibrox, uh, September 2019, where Lennon came and um, kind of gave us quite a lot of respect, uh, in a way, um, and managed to pull off what I think we would class as an upset, certainly the style of play that they, that they had on the day with that high-pressing style. So I think on the whole, that's very, very rare. I think mostly... These games are about emotion and they're about your big players turning up on the day, taking decisive chances. I think, as you you both nailed it there, the, the team did kind of pick itself. Um, 
in terms of worries, I was I was worried a little bit about Arfield's ability to to last the full ninety in, in this type of game. It needn't really have bothered there, given how inept Celtic were. And Aribo, um, I was a little bit concerned, but not not concerned in the sense that Celtic are going to kill us because he's playing. It's more in the sense that he might not be able to impact the game as as we know he can in these type of games. So. It is, tactics do play a part in it, but for me it's all about the big players turning up and, and you mentioned the Celtic fullbacks and to go tactically. The Diamond, have we struggled against anybody really this season? Domestically, Hibs away, um, maybe, in uh, the early part of the season. Um, two up front, we, we don't struggle necessarily. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a contest and more of a battle because it's man for man. Um, but, it wasn't too upfront really yesterday. It was kind of one in, in a um, deep line. Yeah, one in a deep line attacking midfielder. But you're right about the fullbacks. Um, they can't attack, neither of them. They've, they've not been able to attack all season. Um, Taylor can't attack either. Um, all Frimpong could do was attack, and then they switched to a diamond just as he leaves. It, 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 it's strange in, in that sense but you're right that the most the width needs to come from the fullbacks and they need to be able to be, be the creative forces in the way that our two are and we've said for how long David that lacks out is, is hopeless and, and he had a wee bit of a a fan club going mm-hmm. um, after made those, a lot of tackles after those tackles ones. in that game they got humped um, and I feel like it kind of came home to roost yesterday um, I think the problem is that obviously if you want to believe that somebody's a player just because they've played for AC Milan, then you've got a bit of confirma- confirmation bias on the go whenever something happens. But in reality, he's considering he's played in Serie A for so long, he's an absolute nightmare positionally. Um, he, he can't cross the ball. Uh, he can't attack. Um, and I think because he kind of flings himself about and he gets his dreadlocks flashing and it kind of makes him look like he's really busy and energetic, but really he's just a bit like a headless chicken and I think we've seen particularly for the second goal we've seen Jordi Bo just absolutely embarrass him yeah I, I, well, we've had a lot of fun with out this season and I, I said right at the time that he signed that I don't normally comment on Celtic players because signing because you're creating a hostage to fortune they could go on and be very very good um, in his case no I knew and, and when they brought Taylor on I thought well that's different it's not any better but it is different it's a wee bit like you know if you've been trapped in a lift for a couple of days you're released but you suddenly find yourself in the arms of a serial killer it's different but your situation has not necessarily improved on that Andy Joe Aribo had been some talk I think fairly to be honest that he hasn't really turned up in old firm matches and I think given the level of ability that he has that that's fair his debut he looked lost but he's not the first and he certainly won't be the last that that's happened to so you can excuse it but he's been all right. I mean, he hasn't been terrible, but he just, we know what he's capable of. I thought yesterday he was dynamite. Yeah, and I mean, I've uh, folk are listening to me on the pod, you'll know that for many a time I've used Stephen Naismith as an example of a player that comes to Rangers who should hit the ground running, but actually we sometimes don't realise what it takes to become in inverted commas, a Rangers player, and it taken him a couple of seasons. And I think we've got a couple of players in the our squad at this moment in time that are much the same. They're coming of age. Hadji is, is starting to show that he can contribute. And by contribute, I mean hot teams, be the cutting edge, be the person that takes the responsibility, that, that opens up defences when it's stuffy. Hadji's definitely done that this season, but Joe Rebo has really done it this season. And I think that he's starting to show the the promise 
that his ability kind of suggested. I, I think he's in the right place because his, his ability is undoubted, right? He's, he's one of the most fantastically skillful people I've seen. I mean, you could put him, uh, he's a real cage footballer, right? You put him in a proverbial telephone box and you wouldn't be able to get the ball off him. His, his footwork is just sublime. And I often thought that if he just got a wee bit more robust, and if he added that killer mentality that, that Stephen Gerrard had, let's face it, Gerrard came as a big gangly kid, and through the years he became a man monster, and, and he, he allied that to a, a terrific will to win, but he had that killer instinct. He would go to war with somebody, but he had that ice, that steel. If Joe Aribo can continue, continue to um, can bring that to his game, then he can do anything in football. I really, truly mean that. That when I look about and I see players like Osmond Dembele and people like that, he could be what they are, right? If, uh, I mean, again, Dortmund have got two young boys there. He's in the same kind of class ability-wise. So the only thing that's that stopping bridge that gap is just maintaining his his uh, mentality, getting that killer instinct. And I thought yesterday he was a cutting edge. I thought the first half yesterday he was brilliant. Um, doing, doing that right-hand side with, with Patterson, some of the tight footwork, some of the tight football, Celtic couldn't live with it, and he was a constant threat. He was moving with the ball, and then that's the test is he hurt the teams. He, I mean, he, he was he caught inside for that first goal, and we've seen him do that a couple of times this season, and invariably has a shot. He wasn't really doing that last season as much as yeah. I like. And then the that's second him. goal was utterly sublime. I mean, the, the the premier guy, premier sports guy, spent most of that uh, analysis talking about Laxalt and Azure and how they made an asset. Listen, the, the way he twisted them inside and out, it didn't matter what they'd done. He no. was getting into that byline, and once you get to that byline, you're in the world of fucking pain, mm. and, and anything can happen. So I think uh, Aribo was our match winner yesterday, although he probably wasn't the man of the match per se over the 90 minutes. I thought Aribo was the, was the, was the one that opened up Celtic. Did the damage, and by that point, as we know, we get ahead of Ibrooks, you're very unlikely to, to get a sniff. Yeah, I, just see, David. Sorry, just just on that Aribo point, and before you move on, I think it's a really good, it's a really good point, and I think I've been quite critical of him in in some respects, and it's probably it's not really a catch-all thing. I think it's quite easy to say, oh, he's great when we've got loads of the ball and he can break teams down, etc., and maybe isn't so good in, in the bigger games. I think it probably does fall like that, generally, before um, yesterday, but it's quite unfair to just have that as the blanket statement, I guess, which is probably what I've been a little bit critical of in the past, but I guess if you look at it logically, when we came into this season, our big issue was beating those teams that, that sit in and, and um, defend deep, and him and Hadji have played a huge role in and beating them and making those more routine than um, we they were in the last couple of years. So they, that that three points is three points, and a win is a win. They've played they've more than played their part in that sense. Um, I, I actually think that Aribo it, it was slightly different yesterday. First of all, he's, he's playing in the front three, which in these type of games I agree is his is his best role. But he played a lot wider um, than he has done. You've seen he was pretty much on the byline for for quite a lot of the game, and I think it was the the introduction at Arfield now. Arfield, a lot of people are very quick to, to criticise and he seems to have a bit of a love-hate on the go. Um, sometimes, I don't think he had a terrific game, but what he does give you is that dirty stuff. He, he ironically gives you everything that Aribo doesn't give you in central midfield. It's that off-the-ball running, the tackling, um, the wee cynical fouls. He's maybe not 100% on it. He could be a lot better on the ball, but 
in these type of games, having him running behind Aribo gives Aribo that platform that means he doesn't need to track back as much and he can stay a little bit wider and he can do what he does best. And I think we kind of nailed that as a as a tactical point. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I would have expected the Rangers coaching team to get the better of the Celtic coaching team yesterday. To, to be quite honest with you, I, I would have been incredibly disappointed. And I think they would uh, as well. But we also have better players. I mean, it really is that simple. And they demonstrated it. That's not to say Celtic didn't get chances. But we, I think we have to remember their whole season boiled down to that 90 minutes yesterday. It really did. Um, and you can do the argument of what well, means more to to us uh, to it means the same sorry to both teams but it it should have meant more to them they'd more on the line that 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 was a last chance at any sort of redemption whatsoever and i thought rangers matched that and again just quality came out andy speaking about fullbacks um you know celtic as we know had said kind of given the true indication on the feelings about the draw with uh, the you know they hung out the flag of please ban their reserve right back <laughs> but I am uh, so excited about this kid. I mean, he's just, you know, we see young players who come in with ability. It happens a lot, not just at Rangers, but all by clubs, because you don't get to play for, you know, or get into a Rangers youth system if you don't have talent. But it's about the rest. You know, when you make the step up, can you handle it? You know, can you handle the intensity? Can you handle the demands? you're not going to be cosseted in the way that the youngsters are in, in development squads. And every challenge so far that's been laid down to, the, to this kid, he's passed and he's passed with flying colours. He absolutely has. I'm just going to go back one wee step, Dave, because I think it's important about what you just said about Celtic being up for this. A lot of our achievements are getting did besmirched by this Celtic of down tools nonsense. I don't believe that to be the case. I th- my big fear yesterday or for yesterday was they would be trying to impress whoever's their next manager who's undoubtedly watching that game yesterday. Plus, the players that are leaving, it's easy to say, oh, they're down tools. They've still got to get a move. So on that point, I just wanted to make sure that people know it. Celtic are on the down tools. They couldn't live with That's the bottom line. But in Patterson, you're absolutely correct. Uh, we have a tendency, uh, as Rangers fans, to... Uh, we've got a patch of history when it comes to youngsters because we love them for, for six months and then they're shite. <laughs> generally speaking mm. and there's very few exceptions to that I mean you think about Fleck you think about Ross McCrory um, trying to think who else would have had Hutton initially Hutton aye Hutton's a good example as well Stevie Smith and and so I'm I'm overly cautious when I'm because obviously I'm on that platform like this and people listen to you and the easy thing to do is to gush and say oh he's brilliant and what a player we've got here and all the rest of it I think that's, that's the case right but I'm also kind of tempering it because I've also hearing crazy talk like, oh, again, you could sell to have and to have's got a battle and you saw and this kind of stuff to put for that right back position. What what we've got here is a boy that has all the attributes and he's going to get better. And uh, I still think there's a couple of wee things in his game. I don't think his delivery is stellar. I don't think his final ball is stellar. I think his athleticism sets him apart. I think his physique is going to get better because he's, he's still at that age where he's no quite, he's no a wee boy by any man. I mean, and he's handling, handling a man's game easily, but he's not quite, um, he's no he's no filled out, if you know what I mean, to, yeah. to, to the point where you look at Goldson and you look at something we can't and players like that and they're absolutely brick shithouses. He's no uh, that in Tavernier. He's not quite there yet that way. So that's going to come. But 
it, you mentioned hunting there. It reminds me very much of hunting in terms of getting up doing that park with ease at pace, getting up doing that park with the ball at his feet at pace, going by players as if they're not there just by sheer will and by pace. And uh, he's done it now, well, done it second half at Parkhead, he done it yesterday, he's done it uh, at European a couple of times. So the boy's ready, right? I don't think there's any question. And if Tav decided to go um, in the, in the mid-season or close season, then I don't think we'd be sitting there saying, oh, well, we've got a young boy at right back. I think we'd all be sitting there saying, you know, this is a really positive thing for Parson and for Rangers. But he's, um, I think what we're going to have is the best of both worlds. I think Tav's played, I mean, he's played nearly every game, right? And, and then when we miss him, there's no really been until Nathan Parson an understudy worthy. Right, we're playing John Flanagan and who else would we have with Balligan? So I think what we've got here is an opportunity to get the best of both worlds. We can manage to have an ear uh, as he's getting older, give him rest when appropriate, and we can also bleed this guy into a, a Rangers team under the tutelage of uh, Stephen Gerrard. And it might be that if he keeps regressing, then the decision gets made. You know, we've seen that happen in the past, where, where big clubs have got rid of big players because there's been a, an exceptional youth come through the ranks. Um, so I think it's it's um, very very promising. I think he's I think he's the best we've had for a long time. I mean we we've spoke Davy on this point about Ross McCrory at times, and it's easy to get a wee bit hyperbolic when you've got a victory in an old firm game because I remember Ross McCrory having a standout game against. In fact, I think it was Gerard's first win, wasn't it? The Ryan Jack goal game. Mm-hmm. McCrory played in that, and he was outstanding right. because it was his kind of game. It was up and at him. It was physical. But there was always that nag at the back of my mind that McCrory just technically wasn't good enough. And I mean, on the ball, it wasn't quite up to standard. And, and as time went by, we've seen that. Uh, I don't think that's the case with Parson. I think, I mean, I'm being super critical about his delivery and his final ball, but is that no natural that age? Is that no natural? You've just got that wee bit of uh, enthusiasm, over-enthusiasm in the final third. I think all those kind of things can be, can, be, um, can be coached. So I am quietly... Uh, expecting this boy I think he could go all the way I think it could be another one where we see him for a season and somebody pays us a lot of money for him but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves I think the the other guys I want to highlight yesterday obviously the the goal scorer Hart and Hands own Stephen Davis uh, we, we of course sponsor Stephen Davis and uh, we thank him for breaking our sponsor curse and uh, another terrific display from him capped off with tremendous goal I mean a, a genuinely brilliant reaction finish from him there uh, he has been enormous this season Adam and along with someone else we're going to talk about um, and, and have a lot of fun I'm sure discussing in a few minutes Rangers didn't hand out these extensions because of sentimentality they've been earned yeah absolutely there is obviously a a risk players of that age that they could fall off a, cl- a cliff quite quickly in terms of their, their fitness, but can't see it happening uh, anytime soon, to to be honest. Davis has surprised me, definitely, not in terms of performances. I think he's always, on his good days, he's, he's always been um, excellent. I think maybe last year and even the year before he had some patchy periods, but I tend to think those are when we've had bad results. Um, and it's one of those things when, when he plays well, we play well kind of thing. Um, I'm surprised the amount he's managed to play this year. Um, you could argue he's had to play it um, with Arfield and, and Jack not being available for, for large parts of the year, but he's certainly not let his, uh, not let his performance level slip. I thought he was um, brilliant yesterday. 
um, just controlling the game in that kind of quiet way. I've still got absolutely no idea of what he's doing in the box for that um, goal, to be honest, as the furthest forward midfielder. I think he... Um, he said that himself. Uh, he surprised he... himself. Yeah. <laughs> what a brilliant finish, um, especially the, the, the deflection. You could say we get lucky with that deflection, but... How can an overhead kick be be lucky when when the flight of the ball has changed a second before? It's just a it's just an excellent reaction um, goal, and he thoroughly deserved it. The other uh, guy I want to mention here, with praise to the two centre backs who were both tremendous as always, um, just quality defenders. And you know, Andy, you and me are, are children of Sunnis, and we grew up with you get the back four and the keeper sorted, and things can flow from there. But Ryan Kent. They are terrified of him. They are absolutely terrified of him. Um, their players and their coaching staff, I mean, every single time he gets the ball, I was fortunate enough to be at the game yesterday, and you could see it on the bench. They all spring up when he gets the ball, and they're all screaming at players to get over and get covering. Um, but on top of his undoubted talent and the fact that he occupies teams so much and he's in their head, there was a moment in the 92nd minute when the ball broke out of, out of our defence. And Ryan Kent belts over from his wing, wins a tackle and wins a throw-in. In the 92nd minute, 2-0 up. It's that attitude that I think marks him out as a very, very special player. You're right. And it's that attitude that I've, I clocked at very, very early in his, loan, his first loan spell was because he came in for a wee bit of stick. And I think we have been re-educated as a Rangers support by the Gerard era in terms of what to expect from a team and what to expect from players because I think we had a I may be wrong, you can correct me and the listeners can correct me as well in comments if they think this is the case but I, I think we always thought of wingers as wingers and they stick to the back, they stick to the touchline and they, they work up and down and they don't really come away for that but this 4-3-3 we play with the double tens has just kind of transformed the expectations and Kent is the player to, to take advantage of that freedom because Apart from his work rate, which means that defensively, and and we were, I thought we were superb defensively yesterday, despite the chances we gave up. I thought our shape, especially once we went ahead, was was fantastic, and Celtic were labouring to get any traction at all because of that. He's part of that because he works so hard and he and he's he's tactically intelligent. But more than that, the the first goal kind of demonstrated uh, his worth because first of all, it's it's a beautiful moment to see Scott Brown shown up for the fucking arse that he's always been and always will be, right? This myth that's grown up around him has been well and truly laid bare this season because he's finally came up again in just team of note, of worth. And that moment there encapsulated it because when he turned Brown and Brown went for a pie and uh, Kent went on forward, it was, how do you defend against that when you've got a guy of that ability comes so deep, right? So he gets it just at the edge of the, the centre circle. And Brun has obviously got to follow him or somebody's got to follow him because it can hurt you if you're anywhere in the park because if he gets that ball and he gets moving with it, you're either going to get away a foul or else you're going to get hurt. So he, he is a talisman for us just now and I think we're starting to take it a wee bit for granted because his performances in Europe have been brilliant. His performances when he's not quite at it are still such a contributive factor to Rangers' success because, as you say, David, no team that's playing him can can rest or can or can can I dismiss him and say oh, he's having a bad game we don't really need to worry about him just now because he's dynamite and uh, I think the best is still to come for him this is the this is the scary part much like a Rebo he's grown into being a Rangers player where the responsibility 
to win games. Let's face it, when we play a 4-3-3, the front three have got the responsibility to win the game for us, basically. He is one that now shoulders that, no problem whatsoever. Um, so I, I love Ken. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a major asset to his, uh, on the park. And he's a, he's a guy that's got that steel. He's got that killer instinct that I was talking about earlier on. That's what makes Rangers players. That's what makes great players, right? And, it, and he is being moulded in the image of Gerard. This is what Gerard was as a player. And the more players we have like that, the harder we're going to be to claw back. Um, and this is why I like the way that we're bringing players in and recruiting them. Very few of them get flung in at the deep end. Scott Wright's an example, you know. We're bleeding him in, we're bleeding him in. Uh, but they're given time to actually get up to speed. Not so much with the football, but we're actually the mentality side of things. Um, and Kent epitomises that so he's a leader in there quiet, efficient not a captain material but he's one of the ones that we can look at now as a leader and what age is he? 20, 24? something like that mm. a, a lot more to come for Kent and uh, 7 million looks like you know I mean, we, were, we were obviously surprised when we spent that money at that time just because of the situation we were in financially um, but 7 million for Ryan Kent is not a lot of money and of course uh <laughs> And of course, uh, Alan McGregor. I, you know, that the penalty was awarded. Now I was raging because I didn't think it was a free kick in the first place, Adam. Um, and then again, you know, I, I don't have replays, so I'm going. That's not a penalty. Really, didn't think it was a penalty. Um, and the Celtic have a bit of a set to over the penalty, which is never, I think, a, a great sign. Um, Edward wins, and then, you know been having a terrible day, he'd missed a couple of sitters and, and had been basically in, in Big Phil's back pocket, but he he steps up, hits a penalty, Alan McGregor makes a save because of course he does, because that's what he's like. He's like, nah, not the day, lads. And it was just the most Alan McGregor thing possible, because you get goalkeepers who are good goalkeepers, you get goalkeepers who make big saves, but the top goalkeepers are the guys who do it all the time when you need it most. Yeah, I agree, same as you. I don't think it was a free kick and it was even less a penalty. If that's a penalty, then Hellander's arm on Welsh in the first half is also a penalty. So I don't understand the, the inconsistency there. There's there's nothing different on those, which is, is a bit frustrating, but they can't claim that the Masons are out to get them now. I don't see any of them moaning about the fact that it wasn't a penalty, which is which is ironic. But yeah, I at this point, maybe I'd had one too many beers or not. I didn't have any doubts that uh, McGregor was, was saving that. Edward's body language taking it. Um, I actually thought Griffiths might have took it and he would have scored to to be fair so um, when I seen it was Edward taking it he didn't look like he was up for it at all and he's uh, he's theatrics after it where he's he's head in his hands and it's all drama for the cameras as if he can't believe he missed it he cut it right down the middle of the, the goal it's one of the worst penalties of, of all time he, he also looks if you watch the run up um, as he's running up he has a very clear look to the corner he's going to put it in now you know I've played in goals and that's what you're watching for. So he's he's got his head down, and then he looks up to the corner he's going, and he puts it there. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't a great penalty, but he still needs to save it. And, and Alan McGregor did uh, with his usual aplomb, Andy. With uh, ah, you pick a side and go, and hopefully you get it. And of course, he he you know he plays it down. None of the you know chest beating or anything for him. He's immediately shouting at his defence, get organised, get settled. The guy's just a winner. Mentality, mentality. That's what we're talking about there because he basically willed Edward to to fluff that. And um, I mean, I, I said in a pod a couple of weeks ago, we're, we're we're talking about McGregor now. 
doing unthinkable, which is overtaking Gorham in terms of all-time great goalkeepers. That I mean, that's three penalty saves against Celtic, isn't it? Samaras, uh, Christie, and then Edward. I mean, that, that's the stuff a legend um, to do it once, never mind three times, isn't it? Um, but I, th- I just wanted to say a wee thing. I don't want to talk about Celtic too much here, but I thought it was worthy of note yesterday. And again, it was Premier Sports, and I know it's Derek McInnes, but the body language Edward keeps on getting referred to and how he's treated in terms of that body language. I mean, McInnes basically said, ah, well, you know, his body language is because he's low in confidence and I think we sometimes forget your young boy and blah, 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 right? Compared to the, the body language analysis, we usually have a Alfie, you know? So I, I think all these things are being laid bare that their team has, has collapsed and, and his body language yesterday is because he's, because we fucking put him in that place mentally. We, we have we have beat them down so hard this season that we were so relentless that we became so far in, uh, in the horizon. They effectively couldn't live with the pressure trying to stay up. That's what happened to us in, in seasons gone by, isn't it? It's not the pressure of, of keeping winning. It's the pressure of keeping in touch. They couldn't live with it. This is all Rangers doing. It's nothing to do with Celtic or uh, down in tools again, as I say. I just thought yesterday, mentality-wise, you could probably epitomise it with that penalty. McGregor's standing there looking, saying, I'm going to save this. A lot of Rangers fans, I, I can't see how I thought he was going to save it. I hope he was going to save it, but I can't see a, a definite save here. But behind say a lot of the Rangers fans are telling us now thought he was going to save it. That tells you a lot about the mentality, A, the players on the pitch, and B, the supporters in the, well, in the, tail, in the couches just now. It shows how fragile, I think, rating of, of players is. Anyway, and I get that imbalance there between Edward and Morelos. I think you're right, but there's a when it's going bad for you, it, it can fall quite quickly. You only need to look at Ayer, who was the um, vaunted as being Barcelona bound two years ago, and he's always been hopeless defensively. But now but it, the rest of them are rubbish. It, it gets shown up, and right. now they're now they're chasing them. It's all a myth. It was all a myth, and them winning things against Aberdeen, you know, and, and a Rangers team that was was desperately trying to get back to to the heights. So uh, this the kind of pack of cars thing is a good analogy for it, but it's more than that. It's um, it's it's a truth laid bare. That that's what you're seeing yesterday. Yep, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I think that on that debate now, you know, uh, everybody has their, their decade they grew up in. For me, it was the nineties, and there is a nostalgia attached to that. Um, you know, things things were great in the nineties. We we weren't locked down. Um, people with pubic hair. It, it was just a, a happier, more innocent time. But uh, I've always said Andy Gorham was better than Alan McGregor. And every time Alan McGregor is a game like this, people get in touch with me and go, what about now, what about now, what about now? Okay then, folks, here you go. Right. Andy Gorham in 92-93 was the best Rangers keeper I've ever seen. He was wor- he was the best in the world that year. I wouldn't have swapped him for anyone. And trust me, if you were about at that time, you'll agree with me. If you weren't, then... You'll need to take our word for it. But Alan McGregor is the greatest Rangers goalkeeper because of what he's achieved, his, his longevity, his consistency, um, the way he's handled himself, the fact he's doing it at this age. So I hope that that clears that up for everyone. That Yes, if you say he's the greatest, I will agree with you. But in terms of the best, nothing's topping that. 92-93 Andy Gorham year uh, and funnily the thing is Andy you'll remember this as well that people always say ah but he had a great defence to play behind that defence used to give away about half a dozen chances every game mm-hmm. definitely, <laughs> definitely a football, 
A different type of football back then, but you know, you go back to, I always, always recall up at Pataudry, um Leeds United, these, away, you know, that was games where our defence was all over the shop. <laughs> we right. looked heroic, and Big Goff looked heroic, and Big Dave McPherson and David Robertson and stuff like that, but the truth of the matter was that, that Gorham was saving their bacon and making the team look better than it actually was. So um, I, I'd, I'd agree with your assessment. And that's official, folks, by the way. So you, you might as well take that to the bank. But um, 92, 93, the, the year of Smiko, funnily enough, but Gorham was the best in the world. There's no question about it. I don't think you could ever see McGregor's ever been the best in the world. So it's about the level he reached that season. So I, that's actually a good, a good difference you've, you've pointed out, David, that... Um, uh, over a career, I think McGregor now shades that high. Um, yeah, I think I, I think so. Um, but it, it's a nice debate to have, and I'm just glad that I, I was able to see both of them. So they leave their their dreams crushed. Uh, the gap huge. The mentality's changing. And one of the things I want to talk to you about, lads, is uh, contempt, uh, and in a good way. I remember sitting here, and actually a listener brought it up to me um, years ago in Hart Hand, and I said, after a, a heavy defeat to them, they hate us, and our players don't hate them, they fear them. And until we have got back to a place where we really despise them and want to gub them every single time and want to rub their noses in it, because they want to do it to us, we're never going to overtake them. This team hates them. And you can see it. You you can see it in the way they approach these games. You can see it in their one on ones. You can see it in the way that they fly into tackle. But it's constructive. It's we're better than you, and we are going to beat you. You can see it with the manager on the touchline and his reactions to the the Celtic box. We saw it with Michael Beale last season. It is a healthy thing because oh, we can talk about wouldn't it be nice if you know we all met up for flower arranging and cocktails but it's never going to happen and they've run roughshod over us for years because they they wanted to look down on us while they had their foot on our throats and this team have got that and I think if you go through that Rangers 1-11 you saw it with Borna Barisic the other day when talking about Celtic saying they were a better team than us they've got I think a healthy contempt for the Celtic side and I believe you need that. I think if you want to be the, the upper half of the old firm, then you've got to want to make the other half suffer. We as fans clearly do, but I do believe it's important. And for the best part of a decade, they had it and we didn't. I think the shoe's on the other foot now. They, sure, I'm pretty sure they still hate us, but they're scared of us. I think I think you're spot on. I think they, that emotion and that intensity that, that comes from only having one rival in the league, if you can even call them that this season, I think you need that desire to, to get yourself up for the more monotonous games and then make sure you're at the prime condition for, for these games. Um, there's a there's a couple of sides. I've seen a few people yesterday, not necessarily um, criticising, but just I really wish for all that's missing is for to give them a proper doing. To me, these are doings because these are 2 nils without breaking stride and they know like they know that we've decided not to score more which is even more of an insult to them I think than than anything else and you can talk and I'm sure we'll hear in the build up to the next one and maybe the start of last season oh, Celtic played really well in three games last year ah, you got one point um, it doesn't make a difference in these games and no. you mentioned there about oh, oh, that 
90s team used to give up a number of chances and, and Gorham saved them. That's that's part of football as well. Having a good goalkeeper is, is part of football. Yes, teams are going to give up chances. We gave up a a decent amount of chances yesterday, but it's an old firm game. It's it's tense. We're we're pressing, we've won the league. We're, chances are going to come up. We're, we're not going to we don't make many mistakes, but chances are going to come up. That's football. It's unrealistic to have a game where we, we had at Parkhead last year. Last October, sorry, where there's just no chances at all. That's not going to happen every time. So, yes, they're going to get chances. But as I said at the start, you're big players. You need to have big players that have got that necessary intensity for these games and are, hate the opposition as much as the opposition hate you and that they take the chances when they're given to them. And I think we could argue this season, every chance that has came to us in a big game against Celtic, we've taken. And that's the difference. Yeah, uh, and again, that's part of football, being clinical. Uh, I go back to the League Cup final. We have Rangers bar. That was one of the best Rangers performances you'll see. Couldn't put the ball in the frigging net. And in the end up, I know how bad I felt after that. It was no consolation to go, oh, we're the better team on the day. It, win. It's an old fun game, and particularly in a cup tie. That's all that matters. Just get through. That's that's all that matters. Um, and we did it, and we did it with a bit to spare, I feel, yesterday. So, no, just just a, a glorious day all in um, for Rangers, and, and we move on. Two games now, Andy, against St Johnston. Um, league game on Wednesday. That's important. All Rangers games are important. And we, you know, you don't want to give them a confidence boost for a start, but um, it, the, the extra carrot of 100 points, of going undefeated. I've mentioned before, it doesn't come up that often. You don't get this close to an undefeated season. Um, and therefore, for me, it becomes a wee bit more special. If in the old, you know, the old football fan thing of going, I bet if you could pick one, then yeah, I'd take Scottish Cup. Absolutely ahead of, of going undefeated. But I don't see why we can't aim for both. No, and, and before the split, and we, we just when the league, I was kind of nonplussed about the, the unbeaten thing because... You know, it's a nice, it's a nice to have, but I don't think nothing was going to top fifty-five, and and tagging on an unbeaten league season with it would just have been nice. I think an exceptionally good achievement, but I don't think we're going to be talking about the the, the fact we never get beat the whole season. I think we'd just be talking about winning the league that year. It'd been that it was always going to be the thing, but now you're so close to it. I mean, what is there four games left, and mm. what we seem to be. The, 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 I spoke before about this wee mini-season that we've had. So we win the league with a bit of breathing space. We had the European game and then we've come back to the Scottish Cup and then we've got another kind of second win where we've said, right, let's push it for just this, this wee burst here. So obviously the game's fall into that wee burst and, and you'd like to think there's players there that are, are trying to kind of push, push themselves forward. If we do go further in the Cup, then they're going to be in contention for it. So I think we need to go for it. But the same joking... I don't know why we're playing on Wednesday and somebody critical to us gets an injury or gets a knock. And I do think that these are opportunities to bleed the likes of Jack Sampson and Scott Wright further into the team um, to, to our benefit next season. So I think it's about a balance there's required to keep the team strong, but let's let's um, kind of make sure we protect our interests. Another thing is, and this ties in with yesterday and what you were just saying, uh, Adam, about the fact that we never... We, we, we could have went for the jugular yesterday. I think at 2 nothing so early in the game, I'm sitting here saying, do you know what really nice to fucking beat this mob 4 5 nothing. And I know that's kind of fan fantasy, but, you know, we, we, we could have kept going. 
what we've got such a brain, which incidentally I would consider Stephen Davis the brain of the team, that we can we can turn the dial up and down here. And the reason we can do that is because we've always got a bit in reserve, and that's both on the part, but I thought the, the benches were a very telling thing yesterday, and this will prove again on Wednesday and for the, the remaining league games. We've got a bench of note now, which if you compare it last season, that's a complete vote of fact between where we were and where Celtic were. If you looked at our bench yesterday, we had a number of options there. They had, what did they have? Griffiths, right? So I think their squad um, means that we can play on Wednesday with a number of changes. You can bring in Hanji, you can bring in Zungu, you can bring in Wright, you can bring in Roof to start, bring in Simpson. Are we still going to be expecting to drop Henderson Johnson? Absolutely not. So a wee bit of rotation I expect Wednesday, but let, let's go for the 100 points. Let's go for the invincible season. Yeah, the, the opportunities like this don't come up, and they've earned it. They put themselves in this position, and that's that's the most important thing. And they do, you know, they absolutely deserve all the praise that they're getting. But um, ending the season with all of it is, uh, you know, it, it makes it they're already immortal. I was going to say it makes them immortal. They're already immortal because of fifty five. But just adding adding to it, you know, I've won the Scottish Cup since two thousand and nine. Get it, <laughs> do it, bring it in, and and realistically, Adam. We we should have learned from St Mirren that I, I was guilty of this. I've got I will we'll win it now. You know that's them out. So therefore we'll win it. Um, so we should have learned that lesson, a painful lesson. But you still have to balance it with that is the biggest threat to us gone. Yeah, I think Gerard mentioned that yesterday, didn't he? He said that St Mirren was on him in terms of the team selection. He rotated too much um, time of year it was, obviously. Just Europe had just finished. There was lots of games coming thick and fast and he's maybe just over-rotated for for that game. Um, I think Andy's point is spot on. He won't necessarily make that mistake as well. Um, again, look, the prize has been won. It's like you've you've pulled it a dancing on your way home. Am I going to get a kebab or am I going to get chips? It doesn't really matter. You've, you've pulled anyway. You've got the main prize. Um, if we get the cup or we get the the unbeaten season, it's a, a cherry on the cake. Um, for me, I'm the same as you. Scottish Cup is is the priority, but I think the management team will um, manage accordingly. Um, and on Andy's point about giving them a doing, if I think touch wood, if I know the team and know the management as as well as we think we do, that'll be the next game against Celtic because that's a that's a proper free hit. I know yesterday yesterday was about control and it's about showing that you're the best team, um, but ultimately winning the tie. This next one coming up is an absolute free hit. And it's a free hit for Celtic as well, but they're not good enough to take advantage of it, in my opinion. Um, so I think that's that next game. And I think the management team will, will have that drilled into the players that this is the this is the game where you can go and rub their noses in it, um, for want of a better expression. So um, that's, that's how I think it will go. That's how I hope it will go. And Adam, you have some big news for uh, people who, like yourself, like the tactical side of the game, have no friends and, and sit in and a lot of night looking at those, whatever they are, radar thingies. Um, you, you manna from heaven if you're a Rangers supporter who is into all that shite. You told me that we were friends, so I'm a bit annoyed about that, but okay. Um, acquaintance, I think I said acquaintances. Oh, okay, fine. Whatever you read into that was... Your yeah, for for some reason, someone has decided to give me a, a publishing deal, so I will be. I'm currently writing a, a book on uh, Gerard's tactical blueprint, um, and it will be uh, a look at the kind of tactical philosophy that the team has. Uh, a wee bit of a 
evolution style in terms of how, how the style has changed and the players that have helped us get to the, the style that, that we have now. There'll be a kind of deep analysis of how the midfield's changed over that period, for example, how Tavernier's changed from kind of fullback to what we see now. Um, Morelos' role, how that's adapted uh, the number 10s Andy mentioned earlier on so there'll be all of that in there um, from start to finish and it'll cover the, the three year period up until um, hopefully the Scottish Cup final um, and that should be available early next year Andy I'm sure you'll be buying that Nah <laughs> <laughs> what can you teach me about tactics, come on Say I'll be buying it Say buy it <laughs> You know, but she, she's supportive of, of everyone on Heartland. No, Unlike some. And all seriousness, no, I do I do dip in and out of the tactic stuff and it's actually quite enlightening it is. Um so you know, I may get out of the library, Adam, if that's all right. <laughs> One of my best pals did that with my book. He said, When's I hit in the library? I said, You fucking kidding me? He's like, oh, <laughs> up. Um, and he did as well. So anyway, thank you so much to everyone for listening to us today. Now, uh, in terms of this uh, so called Euro Super League stuff, we're still, of course, waiting on more information on how it all uh, affects Rangers coming out. But uh, full coverage of it over on our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where we can get into more detail on that sort of thing. We'll have a couple of shows specifically looking at it. It's just one ninety nine per month. So if you want to go and sign up, and there's also plenty of gloating, there will be another of our famous Timplosion pods in which we will bring you the words of Celtic supporters about yesterday. By the way, what is up with Celtic fans when they lose a game and break TVs. It's become my thing now that I look through social media for it. And there was an absolute classic of the genre yesterday where a boy had launched his telly out the window at the McGregor penalty save and his neighbour got a photo. Um, do you know, I, look, I get angry at the football, but it never occurs to me. Do you know what I'm going to do, by the way? I'm going to break my own television. But it's a wee bit like shiting in the inside of your own cell, isn't it? Maybe maybe he bumped Bright House for it anyway, so it didn't cost me <laughs> He's not been told about who's his liquidation, but anyway, an expert liquidation, so he might. Uh, that's true, that's true. Tax experts, let's not forget. My thank you to our executive producers in London, um, Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and my thanks to Adam. Cheers, David. And to Andy. Pleasure, thanks. Cammy will be back uh, later in the week with a review of the first St Johnston game and a look ahead to the second. So until then, take care, stay safe, and remember, we are the people. Take care, bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.